Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. This is Wayne. My name's Chad. All right, so I want to reemphasize something we talked about last show real quick here. At Fear the Con this year, I mentioned that there was a charity going on that's going to directly benefit Pat's treatment. But I want to circle back and explain it a little better because I think at the time I didn't like I knew the details, but I didn't really have the dots connected the way I do Pat now. Has cancer. Cancer treatment is extremely expensive. No, that part I had. Okay. <laughs> that part I had down. So what Derek is doing is there are three simultaneous Pathfinder games that are being conducted from midnight Saturday morning, for anyone who's not clear on how this works, the day starts on midnight. Midnight is not where it ends. So midnight's the first minute of Saturday through 4 a.m. Saturday morning. So it's a four-hour game slot. There are going to be three slots, and the games are going to be run by Adam Gottfried, Bob Ahrens, and Josh Demery. The level that you buy into, they're all $20, it's my understanding, but the level that you buy into will basically determine the character level that you play. So the kind of adventure you see, is it a low-level, mid-level, or high-level adventure? And they will hand you a character if you want to build your own character, then it goes from $20 to $60. But keep in mind, you're not paying 60 bucks to create the character, though that is ostensibly the perk you're getting. You are paying 60 bucks towards Pat and Beth's medical expenses. Well, Pat's Mounting medical, medical expenses. expenses. So now that I have a little bit more information, a little bit clearer idea, I wanted to come back and kind of emphasize that again. So if you're feeling up for it, and I'm sure there's going to be some other goodies in there where we can pay up or down to screw with you or help you. We'll see how that pans out. (laughs) But if you're interested in doing that, I will link that yet again in the show notes. So I hope that you guys will, of course, come to Fear the Con. But if you're at Fear the Con and you're up for some late night gaming, because this is going to be after hours gaming, then it's for a a really good cause. We're fond of Pat and would like to see Pat. We fondle Pat. This is a bonus, right? Yes, this is a we bonus. We Pat. The <laughs> <laughs> bonus not negative, so don't go too crazy. But now I can't think of anything. Way to go! You put a limit on me. You put me in a box, Dan. I thought that's where creativity came from—a box. Yeah, I thought that no, the, th- the idea of there being parameters and constraints forces you to be creative and work inside those constraints. The rest of this episode, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a bonus episode. We don't want to go negative episode territory because I want this for general release. But here's kind of what's cooking. I'm having this weird thing where I can't focus and get my... You're stroking out. I'm stroking out. Yeah, I'm like Chris Hussey here. And not the the strokes that you have uh, come to appreciate and love throughout your life. No, nor even the funny like Grandpa Simpson strokes. I just like can't remember words. (laughs) The sentence that you stumbled through on the couch before dinner. I mean, I couldn't (laughs) recreate it. I mean, that was the, you know, reality being stranger than fiction. It was bizarre. I don't even remember what I was talking about, or I would try. We, we don't know what you were talking yeah. about. And Do you smell toast? <laughs> you know the fast test, right? You do not know the fast test? This is a good thing to know. We're doing a public service here. Somebody should be paying us. Uh-huh. Like, but there's seriously something called the fast test. Like, if you have somebody who's acting kind of weird, and you don't know if they're having a stroke or not, because strokes have a bunch of different symptoms. They don't always manifest in the same way. And there are other conditions, for example, Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy can cause a sudden paralysis or drooping of the face 
that looks like a stroke to most people, but isn't. But they have a test called the FAST test that you're supposed to administer if you think someone might be having a stroke. And what FAST stands for is face. You try to get them to manipulate both sides of their face. So, you know, can they smile? Can they blink both eyes? Arms, can they raise each arm? So can they raise the right arm and the left arm? I'm going to need you to blink your right eye and then your left eye. (laughs) Speech. And then your proud eye. Can can the person... And the person's <laughs> starfish wife. <laughs> Can the person speak clearly? And then if they fail any of those, the T is for time. Time is your enemy. So grab a phone, dial 911. But anyway, so I'm having my stroke, stroke out thing yes. here. Brodor's having a crappy day because people think they can abuse customer service I, I just, reps. I just can't take it. I cannot. I just cannot take the anonymity of the patient, client, whatever you want to call these heads on the other side of the phone just being utterly unreasonable and abusive about it. I just can't take it. I'm so, I'm just defeated though. Like I'm just too old and fat and tired to even be angry. I'm just ugh. Just let out. Stare at the goddamn computer screens all day listening to people's bullshit all day. You know, I don't give two shit if you use your CPAP. I don't care. I don't (laughs) care if you it's it's not a life-saving device okay that's one mm-hmm. thing i could go i could do an hour just about how ignorant people are about their cpap devices but i i just don't care if you can use it don't use it i don't have to call you again next week just use your goddamn machine or turn it back just turn it in huh well all right <laughs> this is why this is why i will not work a customer facing position but dan all positions are customer facing yeah then in the same way that my constantly with me but it's not always exposed and i have no idea how that metaphor works but it did, it, 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 it did Dana, it, we're gonna need you to blink your right eye <laughs> in my in my blood flooded brain it worked so no it's look okay i think what i mean to say is like right now my is wayne facing that doesn't mean the same thing as actually i've actually whipped it out and pointed at wayne but <laughs> i don't like this metaphor at all <laughs> so no here's the, all right I don't work in a customer-facing position. Chad, don't contradict me because I won't be able to go anywhere with it. I work with computers. I program, and I only have to work with a limited number of people, right? The other programmers who typically I get along with, great. And then a handful of people that we'll call the internal customers, right? Mm -hmm. In the stupid business jargon. Mm -hmm. These are the people that I deliver products to or get requirements from. You don't want to deal with the end users. Well, it's not even just the end. Yes, yes. If the end users is the general public. If the end users is fellow employees, then it's a little bit different. Oh, I don't even want to deal with them if they're fellow employees. No end users. I can deal with Mm -hmm. them if they're fellow employees. But I could not do a customer-facing position. For the simple reason that, I mean, one, I have anxiety and stress to begin with. But secondly, it's very difficult for me to quickly let go of something. And the idea that you can just sit there, because common decency, like common sense, unfortunately, isn't common. And I don't think that I could sit there and just take the abuse of people that are bent out of shape or feel no regard for you or think somehow that they're going to get something, like they're going to get out of paying a fee or something like that, if they're mean to you on the phone. But, oh, you, and, know, the, you and, know the answer to this. You just pretend you're a GM, and this is a player using player logic on you. Because that's what I think of player no, logic be, like. Dude, be, because if players said the same <laughs> that customers say, 
I'd kick them out of the group. <laughs> and there have been several times where I work for a relatively small company. I've walked up behind one of the tech reps who actually does handle the phone calls. And I've heard what and the clients... in his ear and said... <laughs> and I've heard what the clients are saying to them. And out of my sense of respect for my coworkers, it has taken all the self-control in the world to not press the cradle switch and hang up the phone. I can tell you over the course of my career, there have been numerous times where people I've that work for me got abused by end users out there. And I, at the moment I hear about it, I go right to their person's manager. I don't put up with it. Even when it was a, you know, offshore team that didn't report directly to me exactly, but they're my, you know, my Indian cohort, basically. I don't put up with them being treated like it either, but not enough managers do that. So, in fact, that's extremely rare. When I worked for the fantasy shop, and I know we're selling, you know, board games and, and funny books, right? It's not the same thing. And heroin. Oh, <laughs> So, in the back. No, and then I was, no, no, no. Hey. So, there, no, that did not happen. That was not our shops. So, but when, when, people, when people were abusive to the employees, I just invited those customers to not come back, right? To the fight club in the basement. Right, just don't, just don't come back. There are plenty of places. I like the way you phrased it. I invited them to not come yeah, back. Don't, just don't come back. There are plenty of places. There's the internet. You can go and buy your comics and games from those people and abuse them. I know this guy at Hampton that you should go to. <laughs> Unfortunately, in, 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 the, in the real corporate world, if you will, most managers don't do that. And then they don't care about you enough to, to defend you. I mean, where I work, when the customers call in, clients, patients, whatever the hell you want to call them, it's generally a combination of ignorance Right. And just ugliness, just ugly, hateful people. And they don't understand how their insurance works. They don't understand their deductibles. And whenever the doctor's office is wrong about some information, we're the people that get yelled at. Whenever the insurance company screws up or denies the patient something, we're the people that get and yelled I at. I couldn't do this because of the fact that I have such a long tail on my emotions. Right. That when That's I. It's tough. Yeah. I, I cannot sit there and get bitched at and screamed at and cussed at, and number one, not react. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. Right. And number two, then somehow when that calls over, there's just like this magic reset on my mind and my mood, and I go into the next call just all happy and sunny. And that's why when you call a call center and the person on the other line is just terse and cold and disinterested, it is because they have been destroyed emotionally <laughs> by the general consumer. Now, I understand that most people in our listening audience are not those kinds of folks. I, I, I get that. You know, you're the, it's a good community of people, but we're the exception, not the rule. I kind of have a different take than all you assholes. I worked service jobs with direct facing the general public from the time I was 15 till the time I graduated from college and got my first IT job. And then I went into the dark underbelly of the corporate world. Never saw a customer again after that. You're so lucky. <laughs> I worked at a major St. Louis grocery store. I did that for six years. And part of that was while I was going to, to college. I did overnight stocking. I did day stocking. I did frozen. I, I, I did... I did everything you can do in that store without changing unions. The most amount of time I spent 
doing one thing though, I was a checker. Like during the day, I usually would write in at like five in the morning and then I would do the work and then I would go to school and then go home. And I was full time. I worked eight hours a day because they printed out all the transactions, all computerized. I had, I would say about 350 customers a day, five days a week. Wow. And that's just an average day. That's not like Thanksgiving, you know, a snow apocalypse where everything goes crazy and So, Dan, you were talking about it's hard for you to imagine having a bad incident with a customer and, you know, you're you're upset. Logically so. And then now you have to pivot to the next customer. Hi, welcome to Dan's shop. I'm really happy. No, I mean, you're a human being, so it's upsetting. The volume of work that I did in this very busy grocery store, you had that. I will say 95% of my customers were there for their wanted to pay for it, and wanted to walk out the door. There was 2.5% that knew my name, sought me out, was glad to see me. People I didn't know, right? I mean, these were customers and just regular customers, and we had a great sort of rapport. Hey, how's it going? I knew Jackie Joyner Kersey. I worked in the store where she lived. She lived in the neighborhood that 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 store serviced. She came through my line. She's very shy, or at least she's not a very outspoken person. But her friend, who always came through with her, was incredibly outgoing. So they would seek me out, come through my line, and then my friend and I, or my friend, God, I'm saying, now you've got me doing it. Her Chad, friend, and yeah. I'm going to need you to blink your right eye, now your left. <laughs> and now my brown eye, okay. my kegels. <laughs> All right, All right. Good. All right, I like that. So, you had a nice turd cutter, by the way. Yeah, thank you. It's noteworthy. <laughs> yeah, you slapped my yeah, ass today. I did. It's, good. it's, it's firm. Yeah. Star wife. Star wife. <laughs> I do a lot of squats. Put a lot of work into it. Anyway, Jackie Joyner Kersey's friend and I would basically just start making jokes with each other and shooting the in an effort to embarrass her. And the more it's like, you guys, you guys just got to shut up. What the hell? And it was great. It was, it was awesome. Anyway, there was also another two and a half percent that was just terrible. I mean, they were really, really horrible in that moment. Right. So like you said, Brodor, you know, it's like, oh, well, our audience is great. And our audience, you know, doesn't No, I'm, I'm sorry. You're wrong about that because we're all the bad customer. We all have had the day and taking it out on somebody who serves us. It's interesting though, because in my experience, especially when I was working in a different department and I'm not, I mean, I'm not being hyperbolic, Mm -hmm. nine out of 10 encounters were some form of ugly to very ugly. Sure. And well, my thing is, I I think that while there are genuinely awful people out there and you will encounter them. I think that most of the people that I encounter are just having a bad day. Now, see, we're, you're, you're, here you are being <laughs> rational and reasonable, and we're just trying to bitch. I know, right? It's horrible. So You're well, like a husband. Sometimes I just want a shoulder to cry on and someone yeah. to listen to me. Don't, stop trying to solve his problems. <laughs> yeah, stop it. And, and just let him no. feel. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I know I know from, I mean, myself, I I'll have. I'll feel him. I mean, I, I've been a colossal Right. And encounters I've had. I I can't think. I can. Yeah, I can tell you with all honesty, all straight faced honesty here, that I cannot recall a single time in my life that even when I was in the worst of moods, 
I was angry, I was enraged, that at worst, I was just simply detached. I, Chad, I was your 95 whatever percent <laughs> sure. that just wanted to buy, buy my stuff and leave. That's, the, that's my worst. Yeah. The vast majority of the time, even when I'm in a bad mood, I am the nicest, please Thank you. Right. I really, Westerners. I really appreciate We're the this. Canadians of America. Exactly, <laughs> and I think part of that is because of the fact. Actually, that there, there's many reasons for that. One is I was raised to believe in the value of courtesy. Mm-hmm. I think the second reason is because of my social disposition. I want to get along with people. You know, I'm not going to sell myself out. I'm not a doormat. But at the same time, I want to generally get along with yeah. people. But third is it's just the reality of life. You will get far more out of somebody because of love and loyalty than you will because you've intimidated them or upset them to the point that they might give a little. Love will always drive somebody faster than the whip. There are three reasons why I think I don't react like Unless that somebody to- loves the whip. <laughs> okay, if somebody loves the whip, then yes, maybe they run at the whip, and I'm confused. And <laughs> so there are three reasons why I don't think I act like that with you know when I'm upset at bad customer service. The first one is I worked at Six Flags, customer facing, running registers, and then eventually I was the guy that would run the department that they would send down to guest relations to deal with the angry customers. I know what it's like to be running a register, have a long crack line. And people just treating you horrible. I know what it's like to deal with someone who has had that horrible day. You think about it. You're out there. Let's say it's 91 degrees. You're on asphalt. It's 101 degrees. So you're hot. You've waited in line. You've paid a fortune because everything is overpriced. People are going to be cranky. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. So that's why I don't deal with people like running registers. I don't get mad at them. I understand they're just employees. People are going to be upset. I work the help desk. I did phone calls. I was used to angry people calling, and then you deal with them. For that reason, I will never get mad at a somebody I'm talking to on the phone for customer service. They are a person that is just doing their job. And I know what it's like to be on the other side of the phone. Third reason is logic. Let's say you have someone calling you that's frustrating you, telemarketers even. Again, they are doing their job. If you yell at them, do you accomplish anything? Because they're just reading their script, or they're just doing what they've been told to do. So... I don't see the point in getting mad or yelling at them because they're not the problem. Their boss, their company, whatever, that's the problem. And my yelling at them isn't going to get to their boss. Their boss doesn't care. Most bosses don't care that their employees get yelled at. So those are the three reasons I don't think I do it. I've never, I can't think of a single time where I've gone off on somebody that was working Mm -hmm. because to me, a lot of it's just logic. Doesn't do any good. Yeah. If I get angry and yell, that is not going to accomplish what I want to accomplish. I, you know, and I tend to be too rational to do I, that. I cannot recall having ever needed to, but my philosophy has always been I am willing to get there if, and here's the big if, I don't feel entitled. If I am genuinely getting screwed, I will get there, but only after having started at a one. We're going to start polite, lovey-dovey. Hey, excuse me. I think there's been a misunderstanding here. Thank you, please, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then we're going to go up to a two of, okay, no, I I really think you ought to look at this. This is this and this is this. And if I have to and I feel like I'm really getting screwed, I will work my way up to a 10. You know, I'm not one of those people that's afraid to stand up for himself. 
but that's not where I'm going to begin. And I cannot recall off the top of my head ever having to go there. I mean, the worst I get is cold. When I bought my last car, I was really not looking forward to the game of car purchasing. And I don't know if this is different in other countries. Most of our audience is American, but for those of you that aren't American, the way that car buying works here is we don't haggle over most goods. Most goods, it's the price is the price. Cars is one of the major exceptions where there is this huge amount of haggling. Both parties are deceiving each other about the quality of the trade-in versus the value of the purchase versus the way taxes work. It's this really convoluted nightmare. And I was really not looking forward to having to deal with that. And the way that I solved is like, you know, I don't want to get in there. I don't want to debate this person because they're going to hold their line and then I'm going to have to get angry. And it, I know how this game is played. I'm not going to do it. And so what I did is I took a piece of paper. I wrote down a VIN. I wrote down a dollar amount. And I walked in and I just, the first guy walked up and said, sir, can I help you? I handed it to him and I said, this VIN, because I'd already looked at their stock, said this VIN vehicle identification number for anyone who's not American. So this car, this dollar amount, yes or no. That simple. I'm just, I'm not going to go. You should put a checkbox on it. <laughs> I could have. Well, I you should have had Carla hand it to him while you kind of sheepishly looked at it from, from by the car. No, well, I got a story about that too. But, but I just said, you know, this vehicle, this price, all I want to know, yes or no. Just very blunt. And he said, okay, let me check. And he went back and checked their stock and I'm sure checked some financials, came back no more than five minutes later and said, said get the f- out of my dealership. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you got a deal. And so I purchased the car like that. Wasn't mean to him. You know, I, I, I knew it could end up there and I didn't want, I didn't want it. I, I just didn't want it. I didn't want to ruin his day and I didn't want him ruining mine. Cause like you're saying, they're, they're doing their job, right? His job is to sell a car for the most money that he can sell it for. My job as a customer is to get a car for the least money I can get it for. But being a decent human being, I understand there's got to be some point in the middle where it's an acceptable deal to both of us. But here's the thing. CPAP machines, (laughs) this is not a negotiable. Okay. Let me let me look at grocery store. Let me me put my Chad beard. Let me put my Chad beard on. The, 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 the The price of bread is not negotiable. Realistically, you have people who are generally either a combination of two things. They are old and their body is losing elasticity or they are overweight. Mm. And it's usually both. And these people are unhealthy and they're generally unhappy because they're unhealthy. And then they become extremely unhappy because they don't sleep well. I get sleep apnea. They need a CPAP machine, which fixes sleep apnea. And it's a show. Mm -hmm. I mean, the insurance industry is your enemy and your doctor's office is overworked because the insurance industry is their enemy and they have to see patients in, you know, rapid succession for very short periods of time and you don't get quality care. Dude, you think, no, I'm not saying the insurance companies aren't the problem for the doctors as someone that works now providing, I'll buy indirect customer service Mm -hmm. for doctors. The real enemy of the doctor is the government programs those meaningful use macro and MIPS. The reason you go in and you see the back of your doctor's head, meaningful use macro and MIPS. Right. 
I'll, well, I'll leave it the, there because I'd have to the, get deep in politics. And the tiny amount of money that the doctor is making by seeing you, and they have to significantly increase the number of patients that they see yes. per visiting day, so they make there, a there's a, living. There's a lot and, of yeah, there's, a, there's, there's a, a million, lot there's a million factors, but, and at the end of the day, the, the patient doesn't care about any of that. They just want their thing to work, and they want to get some good sleep. I get it. My overall point was there is only so much abuse that the other person on the end of the phone can take. See, I pride myself on being calm, collected, and cool. I used to do timeshare tours to get the tickets. <laughs> I would book three of them in a day. Wayne, you are a psychopath. Where you deal with the high-pressure sales guy who then gives you off to the next high-pressure sales guy who finally will hand you to the third guy that's supposed to be their closer. Never once got angry, raised my voice at any of them. And I said, I would book three in a day to get tickets to three different things. You're a masochist. Wayne, and you, none of those guys got coffee. I, I've got, <laughs> Wayne, you seriously could sell this as a service. <laughs> like, I, like, I seriously, I would pay you like, Wayne, I want that free overnight stay or free ticket or whatever. I'll give you 40 bucks. To go deal with this. Oh, and because, I have fun doing it because the first person isn't the high-pressure sales guy. So the first person you meet when you're doing one of these timeshare tours is the guy that's actually going to walk you around. Have fun with that guy. Have a conversation. Talk to him. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm never going to do this. Enjoy, <laughs> just enjoy yourself because that guy, he's not the sales guy. He's not the high-pressure so, guy. So basically... He's going to hand you off. Don't ever lie to them and say, if you go in first thing and say, there's no way I'm buying this. I just want my tickets. They will, out of spite, make sure that you spend the entire time there. If you come in and say, I'm gung-ho and I want to buy it, they'll see right through you and you're going to spend the whole time there. So you kind of kind of walk the middle. But first guy, you can have fun with. Second guy, he's going to be the high-pressure guy. He's going to start pushing things. He's going to start talking about your health and your vacation. And if you're there with a spouse, he's going to try to get them to cry. Don't you care about your husband's health? So Not you got to right. deal with that. And I, then he will pass. He'll finally say, okay. I'm going to bring you this guy. He's going to bring you your ticket. He's not going to bring you your ticket. The next guy is the really high-pressure guy. So you know that that's coming as well. All right, Wayne, this is not the healthiest thing in the world. I'm not suggesting this for anyone. I am just about to tell the truth. The times in my life when I've known that I'm going to have to deal with an inescapably high-pressure situation like that. Oh, now this is escapable. Of course, you don't have to go yeah. to a timeshare sale. Yeah, I choose to do it because yes. I want the free But, but I mean, the times that I, I know, like... I'm what I there's a problem I need sorted out and the company's not likely to help me, but I'm 100% in the right. Or, you know, I've got to go deal with some craziness at work, whatever. Like we're getting ready to go buy a car. Yeah, I just remember my guiding principle here. My life verse for, is from a rap song, specifically Dr. Dre's What's the Difference? It's not Dre who's rapping there, but it's the line. A heartless bastard, high and plastered. And so I have found pop a few Valium, take a few shots of vodka, stagger in, <laughs> act even more incoherent than you are. You don't give a damn. It's not chemically possible to give a damn. And they, if you really play it up, they realize that you're not coherent anyway. And so they're pretty much just going to get to the point because they know, they know, oh, do they know you're going to outlast them. You have mastered Sting's tantric method. 
And at this point, she just wants you to come and get it over with. <laughs> See, Wayne, Wayne, Wayne does. Wayne, Wayne's an attractive young person who is 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 fit and beautiful and gets all dressed up to the nines, goes to the bar to be hit on just to shut dudes down. <laughs> huh. Thank you for calling me an attractive young man. No, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. No, He's not Pete you. Petrusha beautiful. No, no one is Pete Petrusha beautiful. I don't even believe Pete's that beautiful. <laughs> I think that's some sort of alien suit. Who's Pete Petrusha? Petrusha. Oh, and sure. he's the. Uh, if you listen to the show, you know. Yeah, he, I'm he, not gonna do that. <laughs> <laughs> Nor am I gonna go do a timeshare thing so, for free tickets to whatever. He's the he's the author of a bunch of RPGs, and it's Broder's Man Crush. <laughs> oh, he's on a like, lot of yeah. other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he is kind of a podcast whore. I think that Brodor would like we could make him incredibly uncomfortable by making him like the wobbly H middle of <laughs> Pete Petrusha and Aisha or something. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Do they both have riding crops? Yeah. <laughs> well, who knows? Uh, between them, there's four arms. <laughs> you should have totally bagged his Kickstarter at the dream level and you could have put in the dream, you. <laughs> Pete is the dream. <laughs> And you are in the dream. A, a dream with, yeah, yeah, your dream is Pete. What do they call those dreams? Moist, wet, or wet, something? I don't know. They're a good dream. Oh, <laughs> uh, Chad's unimpressed. Chad's like looking at the recording. He's like, how much time's left in this piece of <laughs> Like, You guys just keep selling. I'm still not buying any of your shit, so. <sighs> Good times. So, so, yeah, angry customers. It really phased me. Yeah. Not that I deal with me more. Well, you're not a. You're generally unflappable person. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the best. Norse... I'm usually taller than them. I'm usually bigger than them, and I've got nothing uh, to prove. All right. So nostalgia. Nostalgia yeah. comes into the grocery store, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and just like a stripper. And, and nostalgia <laughs> is eight feet tall. Uh huh. Four hundred pounds of pure muscle, and mm-hmm. will not leave until you agree that you really love. A bunch of 1980s cartoons. <laughs> and he's wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. Nostalgia fucking hates Doctor Who. Hates that <laughs> shit. Hey. Nostalgia has a He-Man tattoo on his face. And Nostalgia's <laughs> not leaving until you like Thundercats. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What's Nostalgia's view on Spider-Ham? Uh, nostalgia hates Spider-Ham. Well, then I got no time for Nostalgia. <laughs> nostalgia thinks Spider-Ham is, is hacky and unnecessary. Nostalgia is a punk bitch. That's, <laughs> and you know what? To me, my outlook on life, that's Nostalgia's problem. That's not a me problem. So, But know. Nostalgia I, I, also wants 50% off on their loaf of bread, despite the fact that the coupons <laughs> expired. Hey, you know, that's the great thing about computerized checking. Beep. <laughs> 250. I mean, it's right there. There's nothing I can change. I can't even open the drawer. I got to get a manager. They got to what, what do I look like? An IT guy? <laughs> no, right? <laughs> so I know within call centers, a lot of times somebody asks for a manager and they just put it on hold and hand it to the person next to them. Did you ever like at the grocery store, somebody really ignorant, like, I want to see a manager and you just walk away from the checkout counter, put on glasses and mustache and walk right back (laughs) (laughs) so when someone asks hey do you have any more of this in back oh let me check walk slowly you're getting paid by the hour you walk slowly into the back room (sighs) you're not looking around you're just having your little moment of zen turn around no i there's nothing back there (laughs) 
Sorry. Boss makes a dollar, I make a dime. That's why I poop on company time. That's right. <laughs> I'm linking that in the show notes, by the way. That is the best use of Elmo in the entire history of the human race. There was a guy who threatened to punch me. Really? Oh, Over yeah. why? A customer? Over his... This is a bonus episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He threatened to punch me over his black girlfriend. Okay. So I'm working at this grocery store, right? And think of uh, grocery store grocery carts. You know, they're, at least here in America, they're kind of big. You can put like, you know, five big, huge bags of dog food in them and that sort of thing. And they have this little sort of under part where you can put big stuff. Well, for some reason, somebody over in corporate got the idea that cases of beer are walking out the door. Because people put them under there, and they just don't bring them up or tell the checker or anything like that. And we have the little mirror things, but, you know, those things are worthless. And I'm processing 350 customers in eight hours. So, you know, I'm not exactly looking at the Periscope thing or even caring. So they issued a proclamation from on high that we have to, we being the checkers, have to look at the customer and say, do you have anything on the bottom of your cart? Now... 98% of your customer base is going to be like, nope, because they just want to get in now. They don't even care. But that other 2.5%, you are accusing them of theft. You are saying to them that they are trying to sneak some shit out of the store without paying for it. All right? So I am doing this. I, I This comes on down high, and this is like the first week. This might have been the first or second day we had to do it. And I'm like, God damn, this is a bad idea. This is a really bad idea. But the managers are like walking up and down, making sure people are doing it, kind of enforcing the new rule because they know nobody wants to do it. And so I'm a good little soldier and I'm asking and blah, blah, blah. And there it goes. And I had, most people don't care. I had a couple of people like, why are you asking? Or what do you mean? I, I would tell you if I, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say something? You know, a variety of different customers. This gentleman comes through my line. And for the purposes of the story, he is white. He's a white man, which is not surprising. I worked at a grocery store in an affluent St. Louis suburban area. That is the very definition of white Midwestern sort of place. And he looks at me. He's like, and, and well, he comes from my line. I say, sir, do you have anything on the body of card? He looks at me. He's like, what did you say to me? I don't know if you've ever done a job where you work eight hours and you do the same thing over and over and over again. You kind of get like this. You you aren't really aware of your surroundings and you aren't really autopilot. Yeah, you're on total autopilot. Yeah. My mind is a million miles away. I'm like, and I just repeat it. I'm like, sir, do you have anything on the bottom of your cart? And he's like, I'm not going to fucking tell you I have anything on the bottom of your cart. What's your fucking problem? And that I snap out of it. Right. I'm like, alert. Something's wrong. And then I look up. <clears throat> And this, yeah, I just got F-bombed by this customer. Right. What the hell's going on? Yeah, yeah it's just like, uh-huh. And so I, I look up, and I see the cart, and I see his zillion dollars worth of groceries, and I see him, and he is visibly angry. He's looking right at me, and he's like, are you saying, are you, I don't, I don't remember exactly what he said, but essentially he said, are you saying that I'm stealing this because my girlfriend's black? <laughs> and I, my first thought was, there's another person involved in this conversation. And so, of course, I look around and there is an attractive, young, for the sake of the story, African-American woman. And she is on her phone. No, it can't be she's on her phone. That was before smartphones. She was playing with something. I don't even know what she was doing. And she was like oblivious to the whole thing. And I was oblivious to her presence. And I go, 
No, sir. It's company policy. It just started a couple days ago. They, they're making us ask everyone. And uh, he's just like, I mean, literally grunts at me. And I'm like, are you okay? And he looks at me. He's like, no, I'm not okay. I'm like, do, I don't remember what I said, but it's basically like, can I do something for you? Do you, do you need something? And he's like, he looks right at me. He puts his fist up and he says, I'd like to punch you in your fucking face. And I go I'm like, sir, Curdy. <laughs> I'd so, be like police. <laughs> well, oh, I got a police story too. So I take, I know your police story. But <laughs> yeah. So I take a step back and I go done. And I lock the, uh, the cash. I lock the, the register. Good for you. And I walk away and he's like, where are you going? And I walk to the cursey counter and I'm like, guy just threatened to punch me because he thought I insulted his girlfriend. And I think I need a manager. And they're like, uh, okay. And they're dialing one up and one comes out. Thank God the manager they call is TT. <laughs> I fucking love TT. I like TT's too. <laughs> TT's my girl. All right. I had a ponytail that went down to my ass. And that was when I had a full head of hair and wasn't balding like an old man now. TT was the only person. I worked with who was allowed to touch my hair because we would joke back and forth. TT was an earth city cop in a previous life. She worked for a, uh, one of those check and cash type place or no, a, a Western union type place in a neighborhood that was so bad. Drug dealers would come in with paper bags full of money that had blood on it and they would have oh, their hose and I don't mean that as an insult to women. I mean literal. They they're employed, they're, they're employed what, what sex are, what, workers. Yeah. What is your what is your job title? Yeah. Is ho? I. They are a sex worker, yeah. and they would come in and do this every day. It was something like the the amount of money that you can send across Western Union was like fifteen hundred bucks without filling out any paperwork. So to launder the money, they would go to Western Union. They would not touch it in case the cops showed up or something. Oh, that's just that bitch's money there, you know, and they would have the prostitute take the money out and then count it. And then TT would sit there and then she would count the money and you could say to him, I mean, she learned pretty quick. Oh, well, I'm just going to take this money and I'm going to run it through the counter. And they're like, no, you count it right here or I can see it. And then never let the money out of their sight. The prostitute counted it. TT counted it. And then TT would get to a bill that had literal red blood on it not old brown dried blood red blood and she would pick it up set aside and say sir we cannot accept this this has blood on it no problem ma'am prostitute would take it put it back in the bag they would count the rest of the money and then he would come back 10 minutes later with a new bill and then give that to her and everything was very precise and this was not just like wow that was weird that was a scary dude no this was every day multiple times a day because they were running a business. And I don't mean TT and Western Union. <laughs> so TT was really tough. She was a cop. She was five feet tall. She was black. And TT had my back. And she comes up and I come walking up. TT steps around because I'm like 6'3. TT steps around me and this guy's like in full ran. He is ready to go. And then TT steps up and she's like, Well, what seems to be the problem, sir? It's like, well, I think your checker is a racist and he did blah, 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 because I had a black girlfriend and all this and then blah, 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 blah. 
TT's like, no, no, no. I'm sorry, sir. I've worked with Chad for five years now, and no, he is not a racist. And uh, any claim like that is absolutely ridiculous. And he's just like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I look at her and I say, I'm not checking him out. And they had to bring another cashier up. Had to change swap drawers, out drawers, drop a right, drawer. I right. stood there with my drawer and I looked right at him. Somebody else checked him out and he's on his way. But <laughs> yeah, TT's awesome. I love TT. Wow. Um, <laughs> so I didn't get mad at that. See, <laughs> I don't know where my level is. Right, I don't right, know right, where right. my upper See, I, I don't know. I don't know how I would have responded to that. I don't know if my level would have been anger or would have been more anxiety. Mm-hmm. I I'm, you know, and I don't know which one. I think both would have been yeah. there, but I don't know which one would have won the day. Which one would have been the the bigger emotion? And don't get me wrong. On the inside, there was anxiety. This dude was about to punch me, and I would have had to beat his ass. But then there was also the I'm really indignant. How dare you? You know, you don't know me sort of thing. And then there was the smug, why don't you go f*** yourself? sort of part of it at the end but i don't and let it out there's no reason and let yeah. it out see and this is this is why i prefer so much not dealing with a customer facing job and mm-hmm. and i i feel very fortunate that i've mm-hmm. not had to that the first job i had was corporate that i have always been within a position where all i'm dealing with is fellow employees and usually a small number of employees at that because you build relationships, there's investment. They can't walk in one day, burn that bridge, and then walk out. That's not how it works, right? You have to at least preserve some kind of reputation, some kind of working. And I know there's dysfunctional mm-hmm. corporations Absolutely. and dysfunctional people. But what I am saying is that bell curve shifts. Is The bell curve shifts even farther towards even unreasonable people are more often than they would otherwise going to try and make the relationship work at some base level because they have to see you all the time as part of their job. And but, so, but here, here's, this, yeah. is, this is a joke. It's true, but it's a joke. But let me be very clear on the fact that it's a joke. One of the things that has helped me, and I learned this in high school, and it has stuck with me the rest of my life, is to carry a busted sense of humor because the the end result of it is I'm joking. I say all these, I laugh at, at things and part of it really is I have a warped mind, right? I, there's that thing that floats around on Facebook and it's totally true of me. It's a Venn diagram of things I find funny and reasons I'm going to hell and they almost completely overlap. Oh yeah. I got that one saved. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's absolutely 100% true. I mean, that, that really is where I've laughed at things like this in my own life. I don't just laugh at other people's terrible things. I laugh at my own terrible things. But part of it that comes out of that is a lot of people don't know how to process me. Like, they don't know what to make of me. And even though, in truth, I'd like to think, you know, I'm a relatively harmless, easygoing, nice guy, whatever. They don't know what I'm capable of. Like, they're not really sure. And it's a horrible thing to say. And I don't do this isn't my goal when I do it. It's just kind of like symptomatic of it is it keeps people that would otherwise say things like that. Like I'm going to punch you a lot more chill around me 
because they don't know how I would respond. But on the other hand, there is that other two and a half percent. Sure, miss out sure, on. sure. And and I'm not. I'm look. I'm not saying mine is a one size fits all. I'm just saying this is my damage. Right. And my <laughs> damage has. It, it's like. I don't know. It's like the calluses you build up from touching hot objects. It allows me to touch hotter objects. I'm not saying this is the result of a good thing. And I'm not saying that my calloused hands can still feel, you know, inviting things the way that, that they otherwise would have. But what I am saying is it does protect you against a certain kind of See, person. I have work Brodor and then I have actual Brodor, right? And at work, and I, I, I'm going to sound you know arrogant, but I get complimented a lot from the clients and from my coworkers and management about my phone skills and about how I deal with the patients on the phone. The issue is, is that I, I never go off on the patient, although I have, I have hung up on two different people at the job where I was just like, okay, this conversation's over, mm-hmm. you know, and I go to my boss and say, hey, if this patient calls back and says that I did X, Y, and Z. I did, and here's why I did these things. But for me, somebody took my fucking stapler, and then they moved my office into the basement. And I've been nice for long enough. And now the real me is going to come out, and I'm going to rip somebody a new over on the phone, and then I'm just going to get fired. Because mm. just, it just builds up. I do not have the calm-headedness that you do, nor the maturity to just let that shit go. It just builds up and builds up and builds up until eventually blood shoots out my eyes. See, I split the difference. I have the calm-headedness completely. In this situation, I will never snap. I will never you know, cross that line. After that call is over, however, I <laughs> yeah. may need to spend some time by myself. <laughs> yeah. Because I will let it build up. I will think back on it. I will dwell on it. I will think ahead to it. But in yeah. that moment, I will always be calm. Oh, yeah. I will always be cool. I will deal with the situation. And then I will need to step outside. I've been a programmer 20 years. And in 20 years, this is the only job I've ever had. I've only ever been a programmer my entire career. In 20 years, you know, while it is not nearly as frequent as you would see in a customer-facing position, I have had encounters with fellow employees, with bosses, whatever, who have certainly pushed me and pushed me and pushed me to a breaking point. But I will say the same thing as Wayne. The one thing that I am proud of is even if inside, I mean, there is just blood pouring behind the back of my eyes, I have never in 20 years lost control. I have never once flipped out, thrown something at somebody, you know, whatever. Never, never once. Never flipped a table. Never, never flipped never a table. Throw a chair. You know, I, it may be because, once again, I just walk away and then have my reaction. But even when it's like they have pushed me to the point I can take it no more and I'm quitting right here and right now, I can still, with that sort of... God, feels good to quit a job. At least that... that, that ven- oh, man, it feels so at good. At least that veneer, with at least that veneer of an even keel, mm. I can write up my resignation, you know, patiently hand it over, walk out the door, not cause any drama... Because I, it, there is certainly a practical reality here, which is as someone who doesn't deal well with drama, the worst thing in the world I can do is go create more, mm-hmm. is, you know, go escalate a situation and make more drama. And so in 20 years, and that's a hell of a track record to keep, even when antagonized, I've never, never, you know, crossed any lines, done something violent, done something hateful, you know, whatever. And so I don't know. I think my favorite quitting story was I knew a guy once he quit 
put in his two weeks, worked the two weeks, and then on his last day, he got up. There was a door there that was a, it was a fire alarm door. <laughs> that is in the way and is annoying. And it's like, if you could just go out that door there, you're right at the elevators, you're good. So he got up after he had shut everything down. Goes, I'm out, bitches. Walked right out there, hit the fire alarm door, went right through it, and left. That's awesome. Now, I'm a big fan of harmless, passive-aggressive humor. Every, a, so every IT job I have quit, I left with a script that's called I'm out, bitches. Dot, it was dot bat, there was dot PS1, depending sure. on the job. But what it does is it'll go out and it will delete my accounts. Because nobody deletes me but me. <laughs> and so that's what the last thing I do when I leave a job is I run my script of I'm out, bitches. <laughs> bitches. <laughs> wow, okay. So this, this show, of course, had no real point, but that's because it was a bonus episode and it's just, man, we're all over the place. But I've got to imagine there are a lot of people listening, well, probably everyone listening to this can relate on some level. Because if it ain't work, which it probably is, but if it ain't work, it's going to be school, it's going to be family, it's going to be something. Because you know what? The people that you deal with in a job, they're the same people somebody else is dealing with at home or dealing with at whatever, some social club or whatever it may be. So next week's going to be a little weird because uh, it's my mother-in-law's, I believe it's her 70th birthday. And so maybe a Carl and Dan episode. I don't know how we're going to do this, but whatever the case, do check the show notes for stuff on the Fear the Con charity event. Once again, three level slots. Game Masters are Bob Arns, Josh Demery, and Adam Gottfried. So, so I'm I'm old, and there's mm-hmm. not enough cocaine to make me stay up that late. <laughs> so let's just say theoretically that I don't want to play. I just want to give money. If you want to give money, find Derek. Talk to him. I have no doubt the man's got a heart of gold. He will be happy to take and make sure that Pat and Beth receive that money for Pat's care. And if you're not even attending the con, once again, there is a GoFundMe page, and there also is a CaringBridge site. The CaringBridge site is used to keep people up to date, or as the GoFundMe is obviously to help pay the bills. I'll link to those in the show notes. If you're not even going to be at Fear the Con, but want to do something to help Pat and Beth out, I'll link to that. If you are going to be at Fear the Con and want to help them out, then just find Derek. We will do everything we can to make him visible and whatever so that you He's can... like eight feet tall. He is. He's Derek's not a small man. Yeah, Derek is very tall and he's soft-spoken, yeah. but he still has quite a presence. So anyway, thank you guys for tuning in next week. I don't know what we're going to do, but hopefully it'll be a little bit more back on gaming. Tonight, we just could not. We... <laughs> yeah. Can you blink your right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Starwipe, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>